Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Okay, so listen. Uh, tonight, I, I am just, I'm so blessed. I love you, Morgan. I love Morgan Mitchell. I'm so grateful for our friendship. We met each other, it had to have been 10 years ago, <clears throat> uh, back doing uh, IHOP U externship expo five minutes, the hardest five minutes of my whole year. Was it yours as well? That five minute, you got a presentation and everybody before you and after you is cooler than you. And you got to make a five minute presentation to try to convince an entire student body why they should move to your location and do their externship with you. And it was just the most nerve wracking thing. And so Morgan and I would always have these debrief lunches with the rest of them. We'd, we'd sit there and we'd eat that Mediterranean food together. That was good, right? <clears throat> and, uh, and, and we'd sit there and we'd talk and I just, I, always really, really liked Morgan. And so then when we started the co-op and just things started developing or whatever, I was like, I am going to go find me Morgan Mitchell and I'm going to get that dude in this co-op if it kills me. And so I just so appreciate Morgan's character. I appreciate the way that he leads. We did our, uh, our summit at his location just five months ago, eight months ago. I don't remember. <clears throat> whatever. Recently. We did our uh, summit there. I got to see his world. I got to meet his team. I got to see all the things in practice. And I just, I am so grateful for Morgan's history in the word as a friend of Jesus, as a hard worker, as an excellent administrator and a great leader. I just have profound respect for you. And so it's my pleasure, come on up here, to have Morgan Mitchell with us tonight, director of the Grand Traverse House of Prayer. I'm going to pray for him and then let him jump in, do whatever he does. Lord, thank you for this man. Thank you for my friend. I pray, bless him tonight, anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brad. Okay, I will. Well, I apologize for interrupting the Revelation series. I heard about that. Um, but hopefully you get a little something out of it tonight. Uh, like Brad said, I am Morgan, and I hail from Traverse City, Michigan. I was going to first thing get up and say... Thank you to the team, whoever served, stand up and have us give them a round of applause. But yeah, yeah, anyone that served, Caitlin especially, if you did anything for the summit, stand up. Let's give these guys a hand. Let's give them a round of applause. Seriously, you guys were above and beyond. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Way beyond. And I wanted to say to address to everyone that served and everyone that's on the base here, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But the implications of the last three days are far beyond what you can probably imagine. I mean that. We haven't had anything like this in the prayer moments. I, I got Shanghai in like 2006, and I was like, man, there's going to be prayer rooms all over the nations of the earth in two years, you know? And it was, as Brad would say, it was sexy for a minute because the Holy Spirit slammed the student body, and for a while, you know, I lived at IHOP for a year and would go into the prayer room, and it was explosive. You would walk in and have no idea what was going to hit you. But it kind of waned, and I, I really mean this. I'm not just trying to puff you guys up at TPR, but the last three days, there was a renaissance. There was, I would say, a revival to the prayer movement in the United States. 
I don't think we saw a ton of people internationally, but I could sense it. Like, man, there's some, something beyond human means and measure that can make this happen. There was the activity of the Spirit of God in our midst, and I think rejuvenating hearts and casting vision again, because it always starts where? It starts in our hearts, right? It starts inside of us. So I just want to encourage you guys, well done. I, I really mean this. You know, we plow and then we sow, and then sometimes we see the harvest and sometimes we don't. There's going to be an eternal harvest because of the last three days. So, awesome job. All right, well, I always like to start out with a joke because we're like so serious in the prayer movement. You know, we're all about consecration. And so anyway, one day this uh, pastor's driving down the road and he's, he's kind of swerving a little bit. And all of a sudden he looks behind him and, oh, of course, the lights flip on. And so he's, oh, man. So he pulls over and this police officer walks up to him and he's like, Oh my gosh, it's the officer knows it's his pastor. He's like, hey, Pastor Smith, we'll call him. You know, I don't know if you know this, but you were swerving pretty bad. And he's like, oh, really? Us? I, I didn't really notice. And he's like, yeah, uh, can you mind rolling down your window a little more? So he rolls it down and he's like, you know, I, I think I smell, do I smell alcohol, Pastor Smith? He's like, oh, no, no. And he's like, what's that in the cup holder? Let me, let me see that. So he grabs it out of the cup holder and hands it to the officer. The officer smells it, and he says, Pastor, this is wine. You're, you're driving drunk. And he goes, oh, he did it again. I don't know if you caught that. He did it again. Maybe a bad dad joke. Okay, anyway. He turned it was water. Jesus turned it to wine. Okay. When you have to explain the punchline... Now there's some laughter. <laughs> you know, I have four kids, so like I used to be funny. Now I'm not. That's okay. Um, let me pray. Lord, we love you so much. Uh, I pray that as we go over your word, as we dive into your word, you would remind us all what we signed up for. And, and Lord, I pray that you would, if, if maybe this is new for anyone that's in the room, that you would awaken them, that you'd bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your word, that you would open all of our eyes, even myself again, to this incredible calling that you've placed upon our shoulders, that you've placed upon our lives to be a priesthood, a holy people unto you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Exodus uh, 19. Come on. So here's, here, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell it to you, and then I'm going to remind you at the end. Make sure you guys remind me about a story, because I love to tell stories too. Like, I love Brad's stories. I was like, man, keep going with the stories, Brad. I love stories. I don't know if you guys are like that. Um, but anyway, remind me to tell you the story about the waiter that my wife and I, this guy waited on us at Red Ginger, if I forget, okay? Because I often forget things. So anyway... Um, if you guys don't know or, or have, have never been introduced to this, we as a people, as a body of Christ, are called to be a kingdom of priests. That is our eternal inheritance. 
That is, if you signed up for Jesus, if you gave your life to him, this is your inheritance. Whether you're full-time in a prayer room, part-time, if you are a stay-at-home mom, whatever you are, your inheritance is to be a priest unto God. That's what you were born for. You will be doing that forever. So I'm just going to say that right up front. But go to Exodus 19 if you're there. Um, We're going to dive right in. Now, in context, you guys know this probably, but I'm going to go over it. God raises up a deliverer out of Israel's midst because they're in serious bondage. He reluctantly goes back to Egypt. He's a prince of Egypt. His name is Moses. And through a series of dynamic supernatural events, God delivers the people out of the hands of Pharaoh, brings them across the desert, and wants to march them into the promised land, but they do what? They're like, yeah, let's do it. What do they do, Brad? They crumble. And we'll get there. So, but something happens before that in Exodus 19, and we're going to read that. Verse 1. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to what? What did God bring Israel to? Himself. It wasn't about the promised land. I'm already getting way ahead of myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be to me a a treasured possession. My version says a special treasure. I love that. God, the creator and sustainer of all life, is calling them a special treasure to him. To me, above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of and a holy nation. These are the words which shall you shall speak to the children of Israel. Whoa. We're already way in. So God brings them out of bondage, not to have a promised land, not to have a bunch of gold, not to live the blessed life, which I love the blessed life. He, he brought them out for what? For himself. And then at the very end, he says something that I love because I'm a dad now. And these shall be the words you speak to what? Your children. In other words, Israel wasn't just supposed to come out and have a relationship with God. They were to pass that on. We are a special people. Guess what Israel has done? They've passed it on. You talk to most Jews. I'm talking Jews that want nothing to even do with Orthodox Judaism. They believe if you talk to them, you really get to talk to them. They're a special people. But they also have a lot of God choose someone else because of what they've been through. They've been through it. But anyway, now fast forward. So you would think after an encounter like that, so he goes, Moses, if you don't know the story, he goes and he tells the people. And what do the people say? They say, that sounds like an awesome idea at first, right? I mean, I would love that idea. He's going to make us a special people. but We have to consecrate ourselves. But then something happens. You remember the cloud comes down on top of what? The mountain. So this cloud starts coming down on top of the mountain. And what happens to the people? They get scared. 
they're like, you know what? He is scary. I'm not sure about being a special people. What is this going to look like? He's frightening. There's thunderings. There's lightnings. When he speaks, it's like Alan Hood on Thursday night. I'm not sure that I like this. If you ever obeyed God's voice, it's scary. He's never changed. You know what I mean. If you've stepped out and you've obeyed him, it's like, what in the world, God, did you call me to? It's scary. There's so much unknown to, to how he operates. So they decide, they say to Moses. Now remember what God said to Moses. I'm bringing you out to myself, a holy nation, not a person. And they say, we, I'll tell you what, Moses, we're going to work something out here. We're going to send you up to talk to God, and we're going to stay down here because he's really frightening. And what is God's heart? We'll read that. So I'm going to read quite a section out of Exodus 33, if you'll go there with me. God's heart, I'll just tell you, his heart is broken. His heart is broken. He didn't pull that holy nation, that chosen people out to make them blessed or even to showcase them to the world. He pulled them out for relationship. That's what he pulled them out for. So let's start in verse 12, Exodus 33, if you will. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your what? Show me your ways, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people, because God's upset, right? So Moses has been speaking to God what? Face to face. And listen to Moses' cry. Listen to his heart. So the people are going astray, and God's saying, you know what, that's cool, I'm done with them. And Moses is saying, hold on, hold on, don't get rid of them yet. He's actually acting as an intercessor. He's saying this, essentially, even though he's been speaking face to face. Lord, I want to know more of you. Then listen to what he says, what God says to him. God says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will then it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except if you are with us? Listen to what he's saying. So we shall be separate, you, your people, and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. Moses has a revelation. No one's going to understand God's ways unless his presence is on his people. They will not be known throughout the earth as God's people unless what? Unless God's presence is resting upon them. Yeah. So what he's saying is, if we leave and you don't go, what is all this for? We're not going to be a special nation, a holy priesthood. The world won't know you unless your presence is with us. That's what he's saying. He's saying something else way deeper, though. He's saying what? God, you and your presence are the treasure. It's not the promised land and it's not the gold. You are the treasure. So what does it matter if we go in if you don't go with us? We've done all this for nothing. I'm going to read on. So the Lord said to Moses, 
I will also do this thing you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, show me your... Oh my gosh. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. By the way, the word face means what? Does anyone know? It's just another word for presence. He says, basically, I can't show you the fullness of my presence or else what? You'll disintegrate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use modern English. I'm like a nuclear bomb times a million. Moses, you're, you don't even have any idea what you're asking. But, for no man shall see my face and live. And the Lord says, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be that my glory shall pass by you. In the cleft of the rock, you will cover you, I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I shall take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but not my face. So, Moses, he inquires. He spent so much time with God, and what, is, what does he want? More of his presence. You spend time with God, what do you want? More. More of God. You know what I love every time? Every time God shows up, all I can think is, have you ever had this happen where you encounter God's presence and you go to try to tell your friends or someone you know, even someone that's a kindred spirit with you that loves the presence and they're like, what was it like? Dude, I just, I encountered God. What was it like? I mean, he was there. (laughs) And you know what? Every time it's like it's new, isn't it? Because it is. Every time we experience his presence, we're experiencing something new about him. And it's the only word I can describe because we try to come up with language, but it's really what we're trying to describe as holy or uncommon because the word holy means uncommon or completely different than anything else. So we're trying to say, it was unlike any experience I've had. Well, I thought you told me that last month. Yeah, it was different than last month. It really was. Because you experience God's presence and you're like, I don't know how to describe what just happened. Well, was it like fire? Yeah. Was it kind? Yeah. Pure love? Yeah. It was unlike anything I've experienced, even like last month when he shows up. And if you don't remember anything else, just remember, he is the gift. That is the gift. Now, we don't want to chase feelings, do we? We really don't. But he has made us to be a priesthood. And we are in the context of house of prayer. So let's go to Genesis 1 and go back to... The garden. And maybe you guys, your house of prayer peeps, so you probably know this, but I have to re-hit it for us house of prayer peeps, especially those that are on staff. And if you're not on staff, then just hang in there. But in, in the beginning, God creates man, right? And Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So how, what does that mean, in his image? Does anyone have any idea? It means we were almost exactly like him. This is offensive. For real. 
It means that he, Adam and Eve would have been walking, and it's almost like you come up to a, you come up to a foggy mirror, you can kind of see, but not really. That's the image that I like to think about. Mankind was created so much like God. It's almost like we're bearing, not exactly, but kind of. How much so did we have the image of God? He gave dominion to man over what? The entire earth. That's quite an entrustment. How much authority then did man have over the earth? So much authority that we send and gave the title to who? The accuser of the brethren. That's how much authority we had. Let me say it this way. If I have a car and I say, you know what? I'm going to give the, the car to Brad. Yeah, yeah. Brad accuses me, <laughs> deceives me like he likes to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the Lord told me, total spiritual manipulation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I sign the title over to Brad. As soon as I do that and Brad takes it to the DMV, whose car is it? It's Brad's because it used to be mine and I signed it to him. It wasn't someone else's, it was mine, now it's Brad's. That's the same thing with the earth. We had the title deed to the earth. Now how much were we in God's image? That much. So what in the world does that mean? Let me say this. That's what was created when God created us. Now let's answer why out of Genesis. We were created in God's image for what? The why is in Genesis 2. Let's go to Genesis 2.15. Um, and we're talking about life in the garden here, and there's rivers flowing and cool stuff. And then Genesis 2.15 says this. Then, God, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? Work. To work and? Air. And what? What version do you have? What does it say? Keep. Okay. To work it and keep it. What are some other versions? Anyone have anything else? Take care of it. That's right. Anyone else? Tend. I like that one. Watch. Watch. Ooh, okay. We're getting somewhere with that one. Any other words? Guard. I like that too. Keep it in order. Okay, good. You're hitting it right on. So I'm going to give you the, the strongs and get really theological, but you need to know this. The strongs for tend or work it is 5647. It means to work, to tend, and it's the exact same word for minister. Every, it's the same Hebrew word. So when you go through the Old Testament and you see minister, it's the exact same word. Now the next one is 8104. Keep means to protect, keep, guard, or watch. So God, in original creation, creates man. What does he create? The exact replica of himself. So much so that he gave us authority, the title to the earth. And why? So that we would minister and watch. And we see those two words several other places in the Old Testament. But let's fast forward to Ezekiel, if you guys have your Bibles. And I know you guys know this one because I saw the verse. The door opened right back here. And I saw the verse you guys have on the wall. What is it? Who can tell me? Ezekiel 44, 15. Come on. So, little side story. 4 4 is like a, you know, I'm kind of, I'm really into the Bible, but I'm into numbers too because I was born on 4 4. I was born on April 4th. And the Lord's, in our storyline, given us a ton of stuff about 4-4. Four, four. 
And so Ezekiel 44.4 says this, He brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple, and I looked and beheld the glory of the Lord, filled the house of the Lord, and I fell on my face. So I'm like, that's our verse in Traverse City. We're a north gate. We're in Traverse City. It doesn't get much more north than that. But one night, this is a side story. One night I was like, you know, I'd been chewing on Ezekiel 44 because of this verse. And then reading through the priesthood of Zadok, the Zadok priesthood, Zadok, however you pronounce it. And all of a sudden, it was like 1.30 in the morning. I had a really wild night with this prophetic guy that came into town. And we were just talking about Israel and the end times and what it means and where we're approaching on the globe. And I couldn't sleep, and I just felt this whisper, go check the latitudes. I was telling Brad about this, check the, la- check the latitudes. Because I knew we were around the 45th parallel. So I go and I open up my computer, and I go to where our house of prayer is, and I check the latitude line. The latitude line, 44 degrees and 44 minutes, runs directly through the, our building. And I was like, God, you are crazy. <laughs> This is so insane. I could not believe it. Anyway, so we're, I mean, I've been preaching Ezekiel 44 to everyone that's come through our house like, you were created for this. But anyway, if you go to uh, verse 15, so let me back up. Ezekiel 44 has got all this kind of, Ezekiel in itself has a lot of really wild language, but essentially what's happening here is, is God's assigning tasks to the priesthood. And what he says is the Levites who have gone astray, well, actually, I'll just read it. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me. Let me back up. The Levites had gone astray. And so God says, because you went astray, your assignment is to minister to who? To to people. It was a punishment. <laughs> See, we don't, we, cause because of our fallenness, we think it, it was a punishment to minister to people, but that really wasn't it. What he was saying is, you're disqualified for ministry to, oh. here we go. The sons of Zadok, who did not go astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. And they shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to listen to what he says, to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. It's the exact same two Hebrew words. Beautiful. The exact same two Hebrew words. God is commissioning these priests to minister to him. The reward of the priesthood, those that consecrated themselves and did not go into sin, was not that they got to go prophesy and have explosive conferences and have everyone love them and have a huge Facebook following, Insta following. That was not it. Their reward for staying consecrated not getting into the world, was that they would come and minister unto him. He was the reward. So, oh boy, oh boy. We're really getting somewhere now. This stuff really gets me fired up. I don't know if you know that or not. What did I lose? Oh, can you grab that for me? Thank you so much. This, yeah, I have 45 pages of notes. I'm halfway through the first page, so. (laughs) I'm totally messing. Hang on. I do have quite a few notes, though. But I want to talk about those two words, ministry, to, to uh, minister and to watch. So what do those two mean? 
Can anyone tell me what minister means? To minister? To serve. That's exactly right. To serve. That's why we have the ministry of governments use these words. Can anyone tell me a ministry in our government? The ministry of? What's that? Events. Are you talking? Defense, yes. Ministry of defense. That's exactly right. The ministry of transportation. A lot of nations use that verbiage. The ministry or department of whatever. Fill in the blank. What's that? Yes. Prime minister. Literally, the word means to serve. We got it backwards right now a little bit with our government. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. But their job is actually to minister to the people, to serve the people. That's why it's the ministry of defense. The service of defense of the people. So the word minister means to serve. So God created mankind to serve him. The next thing is to keep or guard. What does that mean? For to guard over the earth. What would be another word that we would use to watch over, keep over, guard over? Protect. Yes, we are to protect. Now, let's take it out of the Old Testament language. What are we to protect right now? Let's fast forward right now into 2022. We know we're to serve God. What are we protecting? Let me ask a more specific question. What are we doing when we come together and pray? We are guarding, what's that? Ministering, yes. What do we do? What do we call it? Worship and prayer. Another term would be worship and intercession. When we intercede, we're actually protecting, guarding our family, our loved ones, people we know. So what we're doing when we come together is way more beyond. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. It's way beyond combining harps and bowls. We're actually entering into an eternal destiny that mankind was created for, to serve God and protect. See, we live in a spiritual age now. I don't know if you guys know this, but the title deed of the earth still belongs to who? Yeah. Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension gave us spiritual freedom. But the earth itself, the title still belongs to the accuser of the brethren. That's why he has to come a second time. Because his second coming, what's going to happen? Brad, I'm getting the car back. <laughs> when Jesus comes. <laughs> you manipulated me. <laughs> He's coming back to get the car. The title deed. And we're going to watch it. And I'll tell you, it will be an epic storyline like you can't imagine. But until that time happens, why did I bring that up? Because what we're called to tend and keep now is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a natural kingdom. And what happens is when we do that spiritual kingdom life, the natural kingdom comes into order. Our families are set in place. Our work ethic is set in place. So many other issues in the natural kingdom that we live in get set in place when we do tending and keeping our original intent. Okay, so... Now, I don't have a ton of time to go into the priesthood, but I do want to tell you this really cool story. So I've been preaching this for a long time, and like two years ago, this, this uh, intercessor that's been in our house for a long time, she's like an old school intercessor, 70. She loves Jesus. I mean, she's been through every intercession camp, you know. And she came to me with this, like, box and she said I've been working on this for a long time and God told me it's for you 
So I open up the box and it's exact an exact replica of the entire priestly garb. I'm talking this thing is it's as close as I have ever seen. It's got all the tribal stones on the breastplate. It's got the Hebrew letters on each one of the stones. It's just awesome. But I saw it. You did. Yeah, I'm working on building a case so we can get it out in the prayer room so people can have a... The reason I brought this up is have a physical representation because even what the priests wore was so prophetic in nature. And if you have a chance, dive into that. I don't have time to go into it now, but it's incredible. So anyway, um, she. the reason I tell that story, it's funny, but it was pretty small. You know, I'm not a super small dude. <laughs> And she's like, well, you know, I was hoping you could try it on. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't, because it's just us. Maybe we should wait until there's more people, and I can try it on. I was like trying to, she's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, because all I'm thinking is me trying on this priestly robe and, like, ripping it in shreds. Because she told me, it took me, guess how many hours to make this thing? She told me, 400 hours. And all I can envision is myself, like, putting the priestly garb on to represent, you know, the priesthood and <laughs> where was I going with that? Because, you know, we don't have to put a natural priestly garb on to be a priesthood anymore, do we? No. We wear priestly garb. Anyone that's in Christ is qualified now. And I'm getting ahead of myself there. But if you have your Bibles, turn again to... Okay, I want to hit this one point before we go there, but put your, put your uh, finger on 1 Peter. Probably know where I'm going. 1 Peter 2. We don't, we don't talk about this a ton, maybe in the house of prayer circle, but I think it's really important for us to hit this. I, I'm seeing a lot. What's that? I'm seeing a lot of... How do I say this? A lot of American lifestyle creep into the church. It's way worse than it was when I got born again, and it way, it's way worse than it was five years ago. We almost never talk about consecration. But I, wanna, I really want to challenge and talk to those that are on staff. Because it is a great privilege to be in the house of the, house of the Lord. And really what we're doing is we're actually reestablishing a spiritual priesthood. It's happening all over the earth. This is not just exclusive to Dallas or Traverse City. And it's divine. The Lord is, is writing this on men's and women's hearts in a way that's unprecedented. This is not a new message, but this message is striking Christians all over the earth right now. And I do believe it's, it's preparing for the Lord's return. But part, a big part of being a priest is consecration. We have not, just because, I don't want to say just because, Lord. The Lord paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we would be established as a kingdom of priests all over the earth, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. He, pre, he made the ultimate sacrifice. So ultimately, our consecration is not in our own works, right? It's in Jesus. But at the same time, I'm feeling this urgency right now, whenever I speak anywhere, to call people to live a holy life. Because it's getting out of control. I mean, even when I'm talking to people that have been born again for a long time, and I, I mean, I'm even hinting sometimes at what I would call entry-level consecration, and they're just shutting down, hardened hearts. And there is a huge link 
huge link between lack of consecrating ourselves to him and his holiness and living a righteous lifestyle and feeling his pleasure. I'm telling you, it's not works, but it's absolutely connected. And I feel like a lot of times we we hit grace, grace. Even in my, if you guys were at my TED talk, I I brought brought up David hitting delete and that was like so incredible. But every time we even hear about David hitting delete, what's the next thing he does? Lord, speak to me and I'll obey. Instantly, there's a correlation between grace, Lord, give me mercy and listen and obey. We have three main rules with my kids in our house. I like, I like things simple, especially with my kids. And I was like, Lord, you got to give me something simple for these kids. I don't know how to be a dad. I still don't. You know, most days I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But he gave me three things. And it was listen, obey, and what was the third? Have fun. Have fun. So it was listen, obey, and have fun. I'm like, Lord, that's good for me. Listen, obey, and have fun. Because if I listen, if I'm listening to what he's saying to me, and then I obey it, I will have fun. Do you follow me? So really to me, consecration is listening. Father, what are you saying? Obeying that and then having fun. And I believe this wholeheartedly. A lot of God's people are stuck and not fulfilling their destiny. God can't go on to greater things if we aren't obeying him in small things. If I'm full-blown into pornography, he is not going to give me some incredible vision for running something. Why? Because of me. That would destroy me. We've seen so many people falling. It's, that's not going to go away. But I just want to challenge you. Consecrate yourselves, especially those in the house, of the house of prayer. Consecrate yourselves daily to the Lord. Give yourselves. I, part of your priesthood is to live a holy life to him. That's a good word. So anyway, I'm going to move on. Um, there's so many verses for that. I don't have time to go through all of them. But I do want to just mention really quick this one that sticks out if you keep if you love me keep my commandments he who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me if anyone loves me he will keep my word so if you don't know what to do to live a consecrated life get in that bible we all know this but by the way what does consecration mean i keep throwing that around but i just what's that Set apart, yes. And I want to hit that, two sides. Separated from and separated unto. Because if we're just concentrating on, oh, the world's evil and wicked and I got to live holy, but we miss out on this and, and this is where I wanted to go at the end. But we don't say, I'm living apart from the world, but I am feasting on God's presence constantly. We've missed it. We will absolutely get religious and ornery and miserable what, what's wrong with you? I'm living consecrated. <laughs> Glory to God. Have you guys ever experienced for yourself or someone that goes in the prayer room for like two or four hours and you run into them, how was it? It was awesome. And they're like miserable. This happens sometimes. I'm like, you weren't with God, dude. I'm sorry. You were not. And I've done that with myself. I'm like, I should not be coming out of the prayer room more discouraged. There's no way I just spent time with Jesus. <laughs> So we got to make sure we're separated from, but separated unto. All right. Now let's go to 1 Peter. Okay, 1 Peter 2. Now in context, 1 Peter, who's he writing to? Who's, what's the book of Peter? Who's it written to? Does anybody know? 
the church? Jews or Gentiles? Jews, yeah. Both. What's that? Yes, exactly. Thank you. The beginning of the letter tells us who, who Peter was writing to. Good job, Tom. It is. So I, I used to be taught that this was, you know, Peter's uh, ministry was to the Jews and Paul's was to the Gentiles, right? So the Pauline epistles are to the Gentiles and Peter's to the Jews. That's not true. So if you, if you look those cities up, it is to Jews, but it's mostly actually to Gentiles. And so it's really interesting. Why do I bring that up? Because most of the people in here, I'm assuming, are what? Gentiles. So that's why I bring that up. So let's go to uh, 1 Peter 2. And let's go right into verse 1. Therefore, now, we're in the New Testament, right? We're out of the Old Testament, so the priest, this whole priesthood thing should be done away with. No, not, not the case. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming unto him as a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Who chose you? Who chose you? He chose you as a precious stone. And you also are living stones, being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to, the, to God through Jesus Christ. Let's read this again. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, prayer room Dallas, are living stones being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, prayer room Dallas, for what purpose? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense." They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, prayer room Dallas, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I want to read that last verse again. But you are a chosen. Who chose you? God. God. God plucked you out of the gravel pit as stones. God did. Not your prayer when you got born again. Not all your awesome works. That first portion, that was his mercy and grace upon you. He plucked you out of the gravel pit and put you into a living foundation. But God... You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
every single time you guys come together yes. to worship and pray, if you can remember this, I want you to think, we, I have come as part of a living foundation to become, with my brothers and sisters, a holy and royal priesthood. I am here, Jesus, to tend and to keep offering spiritual sacrifices every single time. To tend and to keep. I'm here to minister to you. Now, what does he get out of this? Yes. God's gift out of this is not another building. He does not need buildings. God's gift out of this is not the new light track or the best sound system or the newest equipment. His gift out of this is not us blowing up YouTube. It's, it's not us getting a bigger social media account. His gift is you. And let me tell you something. Don't forget this. He loves that he gets that gift. Yeah, that's a good word. He's not thinking he got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Every single time we get together, whether it's even in the morning, you're not at the prayer room, you get up to spend time with him, the smallest turn towards him to offer him spiritual sacrifices and enter into a New Testament priesthood, yeah. guess what he does? That's my son. That's my daughter. I pulled them out of Egypt and they're seeking my face. And let me tell you, he is smiling. He is happy. He is the happiest you have ever seen. His original intent was to have a holy nation, a whole kingdom of priests. And when he sees us turn to him to, to tend and to keep, to minister and to guard, he is so happy because we are fulfilling his original intent. Man, he's so pleased with us. Now, I have to tell one story, and I'm going to be done. Because I signed up for this like you guys, and you know what happens a lot of times? You get cranking, and you don't hear the awesome stories. <coughs> if you're like me, I'm going to actually tell you two stories. Um, because these are, I'm going to tell you three stories. <laughs> because this is why. If I tell you, like, the, the cataclysmic bomber, then it's reality. Because... There's those times too. But I'm going to tell you two more stories that I think are absolutely related to our house of prayer and me choosing to sit in a seat, put my butt in a seat called the Grand Traverse House of Prayer. Primarily, that's what it's been for 12 years, 13 years. We started in our living room just like Brad and you guys. We started in our living room, powerful times. But the first story is this. I was really getting into like hearing from the Lord and delivering. Hearing, getting a gift, and giving the gift. You know, what we call prophecy, encouragement. So I would, everywhere I'd go, gas station, restaurants, whatever, everyone I had in contact with a stranger, I was giving them what I got. So I was starting to get confident. I mean, I was like starting to really, I was nailing, you know, you, I'd wing it out for two minutes, people bawling in the grocery store. And I was getting a little cocky. <laughs> so I'm in the gas station one night, and there's this, this guy. He's looking rough. You know, he's working the gas station. But you could just tell he'd had a rough go for probably a decade. He's miserable and angry, visibly. And so I just start talking, you know, prophesying, what I would call prophecy. And I'm just 
listing off one thing after the next. You know, you had this with your family, and this has happened, and it was probably a good three minutes. I'm not exaggerating. And I stop, and I said, and that's what God would say to you. And he looks stone-faced right at me, and he goes, not one word of that makes one blank in sense to me. And I was like, okay, have a great night. I'll see you. <laughs> it was so awkward, though. So awkward. It just went down like the Hindenburg, man. And I was like, oh, Lord, what is going on? He's like, yeah, you were getting pretty cocky. So you need to tone it way back. So I, go, I was like, okay. But So that, that's my first story. It, it didn't stop me, though. I still love. So my second story is most of the time when I, when I go out to dinner, still to this day, because... You know, when you go out to dinner, you usually pray for your meal. It's an awesome opportunity to say to your waiter or waitress, hey, we're going to pray for this, or I'm going to pray for this. Is there anything I can pray for you for? That simple. You would be shocked at the things people open up with. It's crazy. I've only had one person turn me down in, in probably 12 years. Everyone will say, yeah, you can pray for me, but not be specific. But this one time I had forgotten about this we were at a really nice restaurant in Traverse City I think it was for our anniversary and this guy he's like yeah you can and so I said can we can we pray for you right now and he's like yeah so I prayed I think I had a verse or something and it was it's a really nice restaurant so we can't linger at the table you know it's one of those restaurants and so I pray for him and he takes off but he comes back and so he's talking to us about life and his family and what's going on and, and asking us what we do. And so I tell him and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, God, God's got a great plan for you. And I start not proclaiming the gospel, but there's, there's energy, you know, you can feel it. And probably five to 10 minutes we're talking and then he goes, bows back and continues to work and we tip him like, you know, boom. Don't do this unless you're going to tip well. <laughs> tip, tip obnoxiously well. Sometimes I'll tip 100%. Just do it. Because wow. when you tell someone about God who's a waiter, and a lot of times wait staff that have been in that industry, they'll say, Christians are the stingiest people. I've heard that. And so I'm like, I'm going to break that off right now. But anyway, I didn't think anything of it because, you know, my wife and I do this a lot. Well, just this last year, I went to a church because we flew in a good friend of mine who's from South Africa who God healed him of cerebral palsy. And he's a really good personal friend of mine that's an intercessor for like all these, I won't say, but big names. And so he sits at his house and gets paid to like intercede for these people with a group of people there. You should hear some of his stories. They're insane. But uh, so we flew him into Traverse City and he spoke at our house of prayer. And then he went to this church that he cultivated a relationship with the pastor through, through our house of prayer. And so we put this thing on and we go into this church and I walk in, and this guy walks up to me, and he says, hey, do you remember me? And I said, no. And he's like, my name is Bob. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, Bob from Red Ginger. Does, do you remember anything? I was like, oh, my gosh, did we pray together? I prayed for you, right? And he goes, yes, that night changed my life. He said, something came on me. I hadn't even thought about God since I was 12. I walked completely away from anything at 12 years old, and I'd been doing life, he was probably 35 at the time, maybe 40, hadn't even thought about God, but there was something about you and your wife that was so pure and so real, I knew I wanted it. So when you started talking about Jesus, 
He gets in his car that night. So this is the testimony he tells me. I finished out work and it was almost haunting. I went and got in my car and I prayed and said, Jesus, I'll give you my life. We didn't preach the gospel to him really. We just told him God loved him. He said, a month later, I realized we're living right down the road from this church, Fresh Wind Church in our town. It was like 30 miles out of Traverse City. He said, I've been going here ever since getting disciple, and now I lead small groups. I'm leading all this stuff. I'm like, what? (laughs) So anyway, that's one story. I firmly believe there wasn't anything on what we had to share. It wasn't like evangelism explosion or we had this template. I really think it was because of the time in prayer. It was the Spirit of God. It was His presence. It wasn't anything Morgan had or my wife Alex had. It was the presence of Him. Because priests carry what? Yes. If we aren't carrying the presence, what are we carrying? That's the whole nature of the priesthood. So the next story, I have to tell you guys this to encourage you as House of Prayer people. Because you get cranking along and sometimes awesome things happen and sometimes there's months where nothing happens. Really supernatural. I mean, I don't know if that's like it is here, but that's how it is in our place. <laughs> but one time, this was probably about five or six years ago, this, so we, we had team ministering. It was a devotional. I'll never forget it. I still remember the day. I'm sitting over there. I'm, I got my Bible open. I'm reading. And then I look over, there's probably four or five people in the room, and this guy walks in the back from, a, from the coffee shop. I could tell, he had the look on his face, like, he walks in like this. You guys ever seen that look, someone that walks in? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is going on here? I thought I came in to get a coffee. And so he kind of looks, and then he, he goes like this, and I'm like, is he going to go sit down, you know? But I, I was thinking, should I go welcome him? I, I usually will welcome everyone. But I'm like, oh, just let him, I'm going to let him do what he does. So he goes over, he sits down, and I'm watching him. I am not exaggerating. He sits down for five seconds and just goes, ah, starts bawling his eyes out and falls on his face. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? Is this guy, I'm instantly thinking, is he okay emotionally, like mentally? Or is it the Spirit of the Lord? And I'm discerning that, and I'm all of a sudden instantly feeling the presence of God, like, don't touch him. I'm doing something. He's on the ground like we were with Thursday night. No one prayed for him. No one initiated anything. Flat on his face for at least an hour, wailing and crying. And probably about 20 minutes in, it stops, and there's something going on with him. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Then he'd start wailing, and then it'd stop. Probably about an hour, and then he... He kind of, I'm, so I'm watching this whole thing and kind of trying to read, like, what the heck? So he gets up, and he, it's probably an hour, I would guess, and he's snot like this, and he's blowing his nose because we have tissues out. Then he looks at his watch, and he just jettisons out of there. And I'm like, okay, God, that was cool. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's one of those, like, I want to know. Because I love the testimonies, but sometimes he just doesn't tell us. You know, or sometimes it's six years and you see Bob later. Um, But anyway, so this guy started coming once a week. He started coming, sitting down. And so I introduced myself to him and got his name. And I noticed he started giving. It was like $3 or $4 or $5 every week. He'd come for like two hours and then leave. Well... This, this went on for like a year, and, and uh, I honestly can't remember his name now. It's been a while. 
But after that year, he said, hey, can I talk to you? He came in the same time. I'm like, yeah. So he pulls me into one of our side rooms, and he said, I wanted to tell you what happened the first time I came in here. And I was like, thank God. Because <laughs> I was really hoping you would. <laughs> you know, I really was hoping, because I, I knew the Lord did something supernatural. He said, I, was, I grew up in a Catholic home. We had a religious belief, but I never really had any type of relationship with Jesus. And he said, I moved to Traverse City to be part of an agricultural program and finish out my degree and my bachelor's. And he said, specifically, I moved to help work on the cherry farms, which are, were famous in Traverse City for cherries worldwide. Washington's starting to steal that, but I'm going to have a conversation with their state. Anyway. <laughs> And so he said, I came in here to get a coffee. I have no idea what this place was, but I walked in the door and something just kind of told me to go sit down. He said, I sat down and it seemed instant. I was like, yeah, I was watching you that day. He said, I left the earth. This is what he told me. He said, I left my body. And I was instantly in the throne room with Jesus. This guy was not manufacturing this. He said, Jesus began to tell me, I'm real and I love you and I want you to give, him, give you my life. And he said, of course I did. Then he began to tell me what I was going to do with my life. Don't you wish we all had this type of experience? <laughs> Come get coffee. There's something in our coffee. That's the pitch. <laughs> We're going to have record sales if this story gets out. I am not making a pitch to sell you anything. But he said, then Jesus began to tell me, my heart is for the migrants in Traverse City. Because we have a huge population of people that come from Mexico or Central America, and they live in pretty tough conditions in the summer. And he said, my heart is for those people. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish out this year, get your degree, and then I want you to go get your master's, and I want you to start planting places that will stand up for these people as they're working in agriculture across the United States. Not only that, but I want you to start church prayer rooms in the center of these agricultural communities. Whoa. So guess what he did? He has this encounter with the Lord, the Lord, he gave, he gave me so much more. It was basically a love fest. Jesus telling him, I love you, I love you, I love you, in a way that he couldn't describe. Wow. And then he shot back into his body. I don't know what you want to do with that theologically. I believe in those things, personally. Yeah, God can do anything he wants. Anything. So what happens is, he said, I, from that experience, I put in a... Uh, um, an application to the University of Washington and they accepted me. I'm going for my master's. And when I'm done, I actually got a work visa. The United States government allowed this. I got a seven-year visa when I'm done that I'm going to start doing this in the United States. So I prayed for him. I said, God bless you. Go do it, man. Jesus is definitely for you. <laughs> we haven't seen him since. And I thanked him for his giving. He's probably some broke college student and he was giving to our house of prayer. Now, does that happen every week? Does that happen every month? Does that happen every year? No. Guys, God can do anything. He could have done that to that guy in his living room. He could have done that to that guy in his car, although that would have been a little dangerous driving. He did it in our prayer room, and I firmly believe this. Because there was a group of people that said yes 
I will offer up spiritual sacrifices as a priest to you, God, night and day. I really believe that. And I want to tell you, what you're doing here is so, so, so powerful. You have no idea the implications, who it could be affecting, when it's going to affect them. You have no idea. You might not never hear the stories. You might never hear a testimony like that. Or it might be seven years after God encounters someone. But every time you sign up to come for a sacred charge, you guys have one. Sacred trust. Yeah, you guys are a little more stringent. I need to get more stringent up there in TC. The sacred trust. Every time you come in, I want you to picture yourself spiritually. I am coming in as a priest. Not only that, but I am coming in as a prophet. I am coming in as a king. You are a kingdom of priests. You're coming in to serve, and you're also coming in to declare. And I'm telling you, if you declare the word of the Lord, you listen, obey, and spit it back out, it will be a lot of fun. Amen. So that's all I got. But can I, can I pray? Okay. Why don't you guys stand up? I'm going to pray for everyone, and then Brad's going to. I'm going to pray for all of us. I don't, I don't zap and clap that much anymore. I used to a lot. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. You don't have to play. I, Lord, I thank you so much thank you. that you have called us even from the beginning to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Yes. Lord, we all say right now that we are signing back up. Lord, we thank you that we can hit delete anytime because of your son, Jesus, and Jesus, your shed blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the treasure and we are yours. You are the inheritance and we are yours. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. Maybe they got one sentence or two. I pray they would sign up for this if they never have. I pray they would get up early to spend time with you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would encounter our hearts in a deeper way. Lord, I pray your presence would touch us, all of us. Lord, I specifically pray for those that are dry. Lord, I pray that you would show them their value, their worth in you. You're smiling over them. Lord, I pray they would not relent while doing good, but they would sign up for you over and over and over and over again. Lord, I thank you for this week, but I pray specifically for for this house as they poured out, that you would strengthen them in their inner man by your very spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you so much for that. And Lord, I thank you for this house that you are fitting perfectly the stones that are supposed to be laid in the foundation. And you are building something so beautiful for your name and your kingdom, Jesus. We love you. Amen. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.